man. Give me a break. Wide open. The hell are you doing? show for everybody this week welcome into the section why white podcast negative niece gavin coming to you i'm in the section why white studios gavin's in his new closet at home That's right. at his new house uh gavin how's it going it's going pretty good um i uh, tried not to watch too much tennessee basketball so i could say my day has been pretty good you uh do you uh go up to the garbage can and try to throw paper like paper balls in the garbage can and, and miss them like uh, nine out of, go nine out of 23 i put a post-it note on my forehead that has triple j and then i just shoot from as far away as possible and there's no chance i can hit shoot or shoot but sometimes there's a reason you're wide open gavin fair enough <laughs> sometimes there's a reason you're open oh yeah uh, um so this week's show gonna be a uh more basketball heavy show as football is now over the national championship game was last night this is tuesday night we uh watched the tennessee south carolina basketball game tennessee picks up a nice sec home win they're 2-0 at home with wins over old miss and south carolina so we waited till it was over tonight get an episode recorded for this week but national championship game was last night Georgia beat Alabama. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but it's time to really turn our focus to basketball. As the SEC basketball season now definitely in full swing with teams playing every Tuesday, Wednesday night. It seems like most every week and then on Saturday. So it's full-on college football attention, except if you're, if you're a really big football fan, we still got the NFL playoffs, which start this weekend. And we'll talk about that a little bit too toward the end of the show, but it's basketball season. So a lot of basketball talk on this week's show. Um, a little bit of football recruiting news. There was some news since we recorded last week. Um, talk about that. Obviously the national title game, I mentioned that. And I've got a, a story on the media bias toward Joe Biden. I'm sure you'll be shocked to hear what I found, Gavin. Um, um, can't wait to hear I might get banned. Uh-oh. I'm sure I'll get censored. Nice. Um, so before we get into the basketball talk, I man, I really screwed up last week, Gavin. I was supposed to give a shout out to somebody and I mm -hmm. didn't do it. So Sorry. shame on shame on me. You know, at UT, when I was in school there, uh people used to protest uh employee 
treatment, whatever. I don't remember what it was. I always laughed about it. I wish I had a phone back then to Snapchat it or, or post it on Instagram, whatever. But they would sit right in front of the uh, torch bear with a banner that said, shame on whoever, shame on Tennessee or shame on whatever it was. So this guy should sit around with a table says shame on negative niece. Um, Tyler Hooper, former intern of mine, uh, went by and tailgated with him and his crew before the Music City Bowl a couple weeks ago there in Nashville. Huge Titans fan. He tightens up on a week, weekly basis. So, big shout-out to him. Um, going to try to possibly go to a playoff game if everything works out um, that the Titans will host next week – or not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. We'll, we don't know who they're going to play yet, but – um he's a titan season ticket holder big ut fan he was there hooked us up with some vol bombs i don't really nice. know what was in him besides red bull and some kind of al- other alcohol i don't know but it hit the spot for us four uh volunteer fans that were walking into the stadium so shout out to tyler hooper we will be back to the titans game if not this year next year we'll tailgate a little bit longer with you but my bat last Last week, I'm shame on shame on negative niece. Sad and unfair. Very. <laughs> it was just so. It was such a big episode last week, Gavin. I just lost track. Also fair. I hope he listens to the show. I know he's been listening to the show, so I hope not Tyler was not so upset that he never comes back. I hope so. Hope he's out there. Also for you, Gavin, and I know we'll uh-huh. talk about the wildcats here in a minute um yeah um back to the minds episode hanging on by a thread as our most Uh popular episode Uh uh-oh it can get passed up it's okay well it is but that was my favorite episode we've ever done yeah um, it was a very fun one for sure but i i hope it does get passed the one that it's kind of crazy the one because it tracks it for all time not just right you know a few days after it tracks like the whole time the uh, podcast after the vandy game has got a lot of listens really weird i don't well i don't know about that one but and it's not me i promise you i don't go on and just listen to our podcast every day just to bolster the numbers sure i don't want to have inflation of numbers we already have enough trouble with inflation in the economy right now but i thought that was a good thing it can be oh if you read the uh, New York Times or the Washington Post. Hmm. That, at least that's what you would think. All right. Speaking of good things, since we – well, it depends on how you look at it. Since we last cool. recorded, Tennessee basketball has gone two and one, Gavin. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I tend to look at things with a glass half full, even though I'm negative niece. But I'll probably look at things as a glass half empty. Uh, Tennessee yeah, – I, I can quote you directly uh, last week, Gavin. You said Tennessee's going to blow out Ole Miss. Uh-huh. And I shook my head and agreed. Boy, were we wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, ugly performance for Tennessee basketball last Wednesday night against the Ole Miss Rebels in Thompson Bowling Arena. Tennessee had to go to overtime, won 66-60 over the Rebels. Um. Not a pretty performance, especially right out of the gate. Tennessee really struggled. 
offensively, it's a growing theme right now. And I know we'll get into the offensive woes as we talk about the next two games after this, but Tennessee's really not as much in the Alabama game, and they were shorthanded in that one too, but really struggled offensively, especially early on out of the gate. Um, uh, first half, Tennessee was, let me see, eight of 30 from the field, two of 15 from three-point range, and only took two free throws and hit one of them. Just just awful, awful numbers. A little bit better in the second half, 12 of 28 from the field, six of 16 from three-point range. Only shot three free throws in the second half, went two out of three. Uh, managed to get it to overtime, and Tennessee – Shot a blistering 83% from the field in overtime. Five of six, two for three from three, and was perfect at the foul line, three for three. Overall for the game, they shot 39%, which isn't terrible, but they were 10 of 34 from three-point range and six of eight at the foul line. That is not enough foul shots, in my opinion. Tennessee needs to be getting to the line more. Um, Gavin, you had, what was your thoughts on this game? It was ugly from the beginning. Uh, yeah, it was horrible. Uh, horrible to watch. Uh, almost, it it's almost too hard to watch us play offense. Uh, our defense is so incredible, and it's so funny to me that we cause like close to thirty turnovers against Ole Miss, and then we just don't turn it into transition points. Um, I mean, if anything, we're going to the other end to shoot a three, and it uh, it just. This is not the bunch to shoot the threes. Um, and you hinted on that with the free throws, not enough free throws. Uh, I agree. They should be driving a lot more. The whole team should be driving a lot more. Um, but it's like we were just we're just scared or we're too tired or, um, you know, Fulkerson's playing sick, which was – a weird another thing a tangent I have about the LSU game. Um it was just very strange uh to see our defense be so efficient in what they're doing and causing turnovers and we just can't get the easy easy buckets to fall. I think we were like 50% on layups. I mean that's all that that's horrible. I know um, I lost count in the first half, but I think I had us at four or five missed, missed like non-contested layups in the first half. How do you do that? And we almost score more points in overtime than we did the first half. I'm looking. I'm looking at the. Um, I'm looking <sighs> at the play-by-play of the game right here. This game was atrocious, especially uh-huh. early on offensively. Neither team scored until the 15:48 mark when Matthew Morrell hit a layup in the paint for Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss Shoot jumped, me in the head. Yeah. Shoot me in the head. Almost five, a little over four, let's see, four minutes and uh, 12 seconds before the first field goal and points were scored in this game. Ole Miss jumped out to a 8 nothing lead. Tennessee didn't score their first basket. John Fulkerson hit a layup. Um, at the 12:24 mark, and so Tennessee trailed eight to two at that point. Ole Miss would go up. Uh, let's see, 1.16 to four. I mean, Tennessee was in. This was a, that was their largest lead of the game. Yeah, Ole Miss was up 12. 
with 822 to go in the game, Tennessee scored four points – or sorry, in the first half. With 822 – let me say that again. With 822 to go in the first half, Tennessee had four total points. That – a team with this talent, that absolutely blows my mind. And we talked about – when we were talking last week on the show about Ole Miss's defense, that they're always going to be a pretty good defensive team – and uh, they're going to be a tough team, much like South Carolina, to play against. But four points, seriously? that That's, in my opinion, I know teams have bad games. That's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. And I don't, I don't think you can put your finger on just one thing. Is it bad offense? And I mean bad offense by the, the scheme, the attack, probably. Is it um, – is it, it's bad shooting, obviously, especially if you're missing layups um it was just there's something about this team right now and of course we'll talk about it as we go on there's something about this team's not right right now but Tennessee would rebound as the game went on and whittle back into this thing uh shot a little bit better in the second half shot really well in overtime and we're able to pull out a win Gavin you were referencing the turnovers mm-hmm. um Let's see. Ole Miss uh, had 27 to our 19. Yeah, okay. I was looking for – I knew it was high 20s. And Tennessee had 22 points off of turnovers. Um, so, that was good. But, you know. Not when you cause 27. No. Well, no. But, I mean, this is – I didn't think Tennessee would blow out Ole Miss – but Tennessee should have never had to go to overtime to win this game. And they're playing good enough defensively right now. I mean, thank God they they play defense like they do, or that game would have been a bloodbath against Ole Miss, the way Tennessee played offensively the first 20 minutes of that game. I mean, if Tennessee wasn't an elite, and they are elite, they're top two in the nation in defense. If they weren't an elite defensive team, this could have been ugly. And I started to think, like, maybe uh, since they had the break and everything, New Year, blah, 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 maybe they're distracted coming in. I was going to let this game slide. And then we go into LSU. And it just. But good teams don't do that. I mean, fair. I mean, I I don't think we're we're a good team. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think we're a bad team. I just don't think we're a great team right now. I'm not giving up on on the season, but. It's a long, especially conference season, plus the we got one more non-conference game with Texas. But um, at some point, you got to start looking at trends. And this team, over the last four weeks, has been awful offensively, just in my opinion. I don't know what the numbers say. They've been bad. Um, it look Everything looks hard right now. There's nothing coming easy. There's no – there's no uh, – Easy wide. I mean, there is wide open shots. They're just not making them. Nothing looks easy for this team right now on the offensive end. It just looks like nobody's fighting for it. Nobody wants it. Nobody, nobody wants to take over the game and and do something on the offensive end. I don't understand why we're sending all of our energy to the defensive end when at the end of the game everybody looks up at the scoreboard and who has the most points wins the freaking game. That's the thing about basketball or you could say any sport. You can play fantastic defense, which is what Tennessee's doing, but you got to score. I mean, you've got to be able to score. And I don't know what's going on with this team right now. I'm hoping looking at it 
that it's just, you know, it, all teams go through this in a season, whether it's high school, college, pro, they go through these funks. And you can talk about this in any sport. Baseball is a very long season. It happens there a lot. Football, college football, you don't see it as much. Pro football, you can, where that where teams have these lulls. Mm-hmm. Titans this year against the Jets and the Texans and, and whoever else it was they lost to that they shouldn't have. Um, but teams go through these lulls, and I'm hoping, talking to Day Dave All, texting him during the game tonight, just texting a friend you know, Danny White wants us to do. And uh, he said, I'd rather I'd rather them go through this slump right now than in March like they did last year, which is what happened. But it seems like this is a trend, even going back to last year, where there was large chunks of the season where we couldn't score mm-hmm. and, and we couldn't shoot. And last year we, we accounted it where we didn't have a true point guard. Well, we do this year. He's totally vanished since the Colorado game, where's Kennedy Chandler right now? I don't know, but maybe this is just a stretch for this team because they didn't play like this early in the year. Um, I thought they were a totally different team early in the year, even though they lost to Villanova, which isn't a bad loss. They bounced back immediately against North Carolina, had a good game a few weeks ago against Arizona, but it just seems like over the last couple, three weeks, it is a huge struggle offensively. They can't even shoot free throws right now. Uh, yeah, it's blowing my mind. And the one guy that we do have that is a shooter isn't shooting the ball. Uh, Justin Powell is not taking. Justin Powell's not taking shots. He played twenty-two minutes and had four shots against Ole Miss, and made one of them. What, what are we doing? Why is? Um, let's just go down the list. Who took the most shots? Viscovi. Viscovi did. Uh, I'm fine with Viscovi taking the most shots. Yeah, um, he needs to. Yeah, and I'm fine with Triple J taking shots if they're inside the paint. I have a stat, or someone sent this to me, so it could be fake news, that in his last 43 minutes of game time, Justin Powell has shot five times. And he was brought in to be a shooter. And he That's needs to better. shoot more, and I don't know if – if he's afraid to shoot because he's been yanked out of the game or they're telling him not to, I would, I would assume they're, they're not telling him that I can't imagine they are, but who knows, but um, something's not right with that guy. He, he doesn't, he's not brought to the table what I thought he would uh, being a, a, a three point shooter to come in and really stretch the defense. That's another problem with this team right now. They're sagging off of players like Triple J, clogging mm-hmm. up the paint, and we already have a limited post game, and that's made it even worse. There's no, there's no room to, to maneuver down there because they're not afraid of some of these guys shooting the basketball. Uh, why would you be? I would. Uh, I mean, we're ranked like what two hundred and thirty eighth and three point percentage. It's ridiculous. And another thing that I don't understand that we continue to do in these conference games is play Hatfield for about three minutes. He gets in there. Doesn't, like I don't even know if you can get warmed up in three minutes of game time. I feel yeah. like you need to play at least five minutes to get an actual feel. The last time he played over five minutes, he had eight points in 16 minutes. I don't understand. I don't – I don't like, quit. let the dude have, like, an actual drink of game time instead of throwing him the Capri Sun. I'm just tired of it. 
I don't I don't know if that guy's just not I mean we've seen little flashes of him. I don't know if he's I mean he's supposed to still be in high school at this point. So that right. we gotta remember that, but he's got this NBA type body. He he was gonna be, I think, in next year's class, like number four, five, six, somewhere in there, but when he reclassified, he dropped he was still number thirty one. So he was one of the top thirty one recruits in a class he's not even supposed to be in um i don't know i've not seen enough of him to know i don't know if he's getting pushed around by some bigger physical guy i don't know what i mean he he's brought in and he might be the center of the the of the team next year because he's got that he's not going pro um i don't know if he's gonna be here next year if he, i don't if know he's something playing the, I, the yeah, he's playing. I can't i can't put my finger on it i one I thing can't. you cannot convince me of is Eurosh is better than him and you're well, no. just playing minutes. So I don't understand what we're doing. From a talent, I, I, from a talent standpoint, he's not, but I just wonder wonder from a mental, physical standpoint if he's ready. I don't know. I, I Euro makes me question um I mean what he's doing, how he found a basketball court when he steps out on on the I, floor. I've been hard. I, I've talked about it on the show. I've been hard on Eurosh, but he's especially at LSU, we'll move into the LSU game now. Tennessee lost that game 79-67. Euros played pretty well in the second half. He's he's one of those guys that's going to come in and he's not necessarily going to kill you, but he doesn't really bring a whole lot to the table offensively. Um, he's eaten up some minutes inside, and they've not been non-productive minutes, but Tennessee's post – post game right now is not very good i wanted to go back to the um offense just for a minute before we move into lsu um vol basketball fever posted a little preview of the south carolina game tonight and they always put a list of numbers up record offensive defensive rank points per game so tennessee offensive efficiency coming into the game and this is from ken palm is 51st in the nation so there's i don't know 300 something teams in Division 1A, so, you know, top 51 is pretty good, but uh, not where this team needs to be. If they have any plans or dreams of winning a SEC championship, whether it be regular season or tournament, they can't be 51st best offense in the country. They can, but it's not a good recipe. Even though they're third defensively, that only takes you so far. you got to be able to score. At the end of the game, look up at the scoreboard, see who has the most points, and that's how they determine a winner, Rick Barnes. Um, so Tennessee goes on the road on uh, Saturday night, this past Saturday night, to the Maravich Assembly Center, the newly renamed court, Dell Brown Court, from their legendary uh, head coach who uh, tried to punch Carlos Groves of Tennessee back in the – Gosh, was that the 1990 SEC tournament in Birmingham? I'd have to look up the exact date, but um, yeah, somewhere in that area. We weren't very good. Shaq was on that team, and Carlos and Groves just—they didn't—they did nothing with that team, too. By the way, uh, uh, yeah, and they yeah. had Chris Jackson, and Chris Jackson was a freak. Was Rick Barnes oh, their coach? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's got all the talent in the world. He, they went out and what the round third what. What they I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Um, 
But Tennessee goes down there, loses 79-67, trails by 20 at one point in the second. They just came out flat as a piece of paper in the second half down there. I mean, we're they were down like 6-7 at halftime. Yeah, they are down 7 at halftime, uh, 42-35, and were outscored by 5 in the second half. But Tennessee cut it to 5 uh, late in the – I think there was like three minutes to go. Um, let me look it up here. I apologize. LSU 89-90 LSU team, and it was that team, went out in the second round against Georgia Tech here in Thompson Bowling. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure that they had the NCAA tournament here around then. So, and Georgia Tech was good. What seed was LSU that year? Does it say? Oh, gosh, dang it. I already closed it out. Uh, my gosh, Gavin. Sad. You hate in to the, see it. In the words of Mike Dowling, Gavin, honey – um i was half stepping if we're talking to mike dowling yes i got you cuz um <laughs> tennessee was down f- they trimmed it from 20 to 5 with three minutes to go on a three-pointer by vescovy or if you're from mascot vescovy um but then lsu pulled it right back out to nine point lead and then ended up pulling away there at the end after free throws to get it back up to 12 but tennessee came out in the second half Bad offense, turning the basketball over. Um, LSU really was just having their way with Tennessee there the first 10 minutes, eight, 10 minutes of the um, of the half. Now, I will say LSU let Tennessee back in the game because they couldn't shoot free throws. Um, LSU in the second half was 13 and 19 from the three free throw line, four of eight in the first half. They were – they were god awful at the free throw line, seventeen to twenty-seven. But Tennessee was no better, twenty-three of thirty-seven for the game for Tennessee, and we lost by twelve. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee makes twelve of those; they're thirty-five of thirty-seven from the free throw line, and that's, it's a tie. Uh, and it's a tie game. Yeah, I, mean, now, I don't, ex- I don't expect. Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't. Ex- I don't think you do either. Expect Tennessee to go thirty-five of thirty-seven no. at the free throw line, but. You know, go 30 of 37. Or shoot better than 25% from beyond the arc. I don't know. Yeah, don't shoot, don't shoot 6 of 24 from three-point range. 2 of 10 in the second half. Um, Triple J, 1 of 8 from three-point range. I, I'm sick of watching that guy, and he did better, and we'll talk about it here in a second with South Carolina. I'm sick of watching that guy shoot three-pointers all the time. And maybe the South Carolina game, he's finally – they've drilled it in his head. And I like Triple J, don't get me wrong, but as several people have said, I don't want to credit one person because I've heard it from multiple places, there's a reason that guy's standing wide open at the three-point line. You're exactly right. Uh, uh, was, uh, and the one guy that needed to shoot the shot – shoot the three-pointer shot one shot in the game again. I, I don't I don't understand what he's doing. I don't know if it's any he's in his head. I don't know if uh he's been told he needs to play better defense. Justin Powell needs to shoot more shots. If if you're a career 50% from deep shooter, uh you need to be shooting at least four shots a game, is all I know. Here's another disturbing trend for me. Kennedy Chandler. Six of 12 from the field. I thought he played all right. He had 19 points. I thought he played – well, I should say better than all right. He was good. Mm-hmm. But he was six of 10 at the free throw line. 60%. Six turnovers, too. Yeah, six turnovers. 
uh, that's not what you want to see from a NBA lottery pick uh, who is a highly coveted number two in the nation player coming in. That guy's – I know he's young. I know he's a freshman. For Tennessee to be better this year, that guy's got to be better. It, this is no getting around it. He's got to be better. Josiah Jordan-James, I don't mind if Josiah Jordan-James takes three to five three-pointers a game. I'm okay with that. But he shot eight three-pointers in the game. He shot eight total field goals. So every one of his shots in that LSU game were three-pointers. Why that guy doesn't try to drive to the basket, shoot a five, ten-footer, maybe sometimes post up, I I don't know. I don't quite understand why he's gravitating toward the three-point line especially this year it's like the longer he's been here the more and more he gravitates toward that three-point line he's not admiral schofield who when, <laughs> i remember when he hit a three his freshman year saw maybe it was his sophomore year he's like don't why is that guy shooting that and it went in and that guy got better as he went along josiah jordan james is not getting better he's just not he is what he is at this point and he's got to stop shooting. He's killing Tennessee. He's got to uh, stop shooting those, that many threes. Absolutely. Him and Justin Powell need to switch places. Yeah, if, Justin if Powell. Shoot threes. Yeah, Justin Powell played 10 minutes and was 0 of 1 from the field, which was a three-pointer. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Hunley Hatfield, three minutes, did nothing. He had one block. Um, Victor Bailey, eight minutes, 0 for 2 from the field. He did hit two free throws. Uh, Ziegler did nothing in 11 minutes. Um, Urosh played 16 minutes, had 12 points, two for five from the free throw line, and had um, seven rebounds. So, a nice night for him. Fulkerson, MIA, where's that guy? We haven't even talked about that guy. Where's he at? I know he's been sick, but good grief. 17 minutes, three of six from the foul line, did not attempt a field goal. Um, uh what in the world <laughs> i i mean there's a lot of things uh if you know your players playing bad then take them out of the game and they did he didn't play the final what seven minutes of the game but, i mean he played 17 yeah i mean it's and i mean it's just frustrating go ahead oh yeah oh i know so i want to get your opinion um and i'm trying to look up the quote here rick barnes is known for um calling out players in the media he used to do it all the time with Schofield uh, Grant Williams called out Jordan Bowden uh, quite a bit Um, but he called out John Fulkerson and that drew the ire of a lot of Vol Nation on Saturday night he called out John Fulkerson he said we need John Fulkerson to help us if not he needs to step aside we need him um We've talked to him enough about it. He has to come out and know how people are playing him, but he can't stand there with a team that we've talked about all week that's going to reach, grab, poke at the ball and just let them get away from his body. We keep talking to him about it, but he just can't do it. He plays too vertical. He's got to get down again. I think it gets down to where he's got to play tougher, harder, not going to say more physical because we're not asking him to do that, but we are asking him to do what he needs to do to get himself in space and play. Um, what was your thoughts when you heard about this initially? Uh, immediately, uh, I mean, he's not wrong 
uh, on some of his points. It's he needs to play better, uh, but no crap. Uh, when you lose, everybody needs to play better. Uh, second off, you control the minutes. If he's not playing good, take him out. I, I, I still don't understand that. I guess I'm looking at it through, uh, I got my coaching goggles on and, uh, um, I just don't understand why he continues to play him if he's continuing to struggle. And if he's struggling, let's find the reason why he's struggling and try to help him. I don't know. It just doesn't look like he's – it doesn't look like he's gotten – you know how we were always talking about um, Barnes getting these guys into the weight room and how they're they're getting cut and uh, they're getting so much stronger like Grant and Admiral did. John Fulkerson has looked the same for uh, 75 years – and nobody wants to talk about that. And we don't have anybody better than Fulkerson to go out there. Um, I, Fulkerson's good. He's good for, you know, the, the hometown kid, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't have somebody better than to replace him, then I don't know why you're talking smack. Um, the only thing that's changed about John Fulkerson since he's been here is his haircut. And his age. He's, and his he's age. 75 years old. I mean, his game has gotten a lot better since he's been here, but he's not one of those guys. He had that really good last couple months of the season a couple years ago when he went up there to Kentucky and just dominated, had a really good finish to the season. Obviously didn't have that last year, whether he was injured or had, which I'm sick of talking about this, but COVID-related problems, China virus. Um, but then – he had that really good game against Arizona. We really didn't need it. Didn't and coming into the year, you're thinking like you don't need John Fulkerson with the talent around him this year to necessarily be that guy that's going to come out and score 18, 20 points a night. But they needed him against Arizona. He he absolutely came, he came through. That was a John Fulkerson we know and love. But ever since then, apparently he was sick after Christmas with the China virus. And he's just not been the same since he come back against Ole Miss. He was lethargic looking, no energy. Just he did some like weird stuff. He just threw the ball out of bounds one one possession down the court. It's like he didn't know where he was on the court sometimes. Oh. LSU, he was a little bit better there at the start, I thought, but then he just vanished. And like we said, 17 minutes, no points, no field goal attempts. What in the world was going on there? And we'll talk about South Carolina here in just a second and played a little bit better tonight, but he's not the same player as he was against Arizona and even before that early in the season. So something weird's going on there, but um, I didn't necessarily have a problem with, and I've never had a problem with coaches calling out players. These guys are, they're 18 years old. Right. They're, they call them kids in college, but if they go pro, they're not kids anymore. Um it's good to be called out. I get called out, you know, you get called out at your job. I mean, not in public, but you do get, you know, evaluations, things. I like think that. that was the biggest point. I think that's the biggest point. You just yeah. don't do that in public. I well, think that's the biggest problem that people had with it. And and Rick Barnes did say, he says, he came out the day or two later and said, I never say anything in public that I don't say privately to these guys. So it's not a surprise shouldn't be a surprise to them that he says it because it's according to him it's nothing that he's not said to him so um i don't know i john fulkerson is one of those guys that everybody loves around here and rightfully so mm -hmm. um but that doesn't make him in my opinion um 
free from ridicule. If Rick Barnes, yeah. Rick Barnes has done that with a lot of people. I'll say that. So that's his MO. And I didn't necessarily have a problem with it, but it seems like there's something a little bit off with John right now. And maybe the timing of Rick Barnes saying that wasn't the best in the world. I think there was just a better time and place to do it. And then when the way we lost and the way we were losing by 20 out there, and then you're just going to dog Fulkerson when he plays 17 minutes and has like no stats. I just don't understand. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't know why we're attempting to play a style of basketball that our roster isn't fit to play. And then we're just dogging on Fulkerson when this style of basketball, when we shoot 24 three pointers and make six of them. Tennessee's going to run in. Tennessee's going to run into problems when they play physical teams like long, and I mean physical down low uh, that play tough defense, which LSU does. They're one of the top three teams defensively in the country. Um, they're long. They're athletic. They're lanky, and they killed Tennessee on the glass, forty-one thirty-three, which was another problem that Tennessee has. Um, not a great rebounding team. They weren't really a great rebounding team last year. How many times did we come on this show last year, Gavin and I? I kept a running total of our plus minus in the rebounding edge last year, and it was we were negative most of the season. Uh, we were was, way negative at the end of it, I think. Oh, yeah. It wasn't even close. I had one problem in the LSU game. Um, I forgot one thing in the Ole Miss game, though. Okay. Uh, did – Ziggy get a bounce pass in between the legs. Was oh, that the yes. Ole Miss game? Yes, the Ole Miss game, he did. Uh, that was nice. That was cool. That was fun. I like that uh, kid. He, he he brings a – and we'll talk about it here in a second with South Carolina. He brings a spark to the team that sometimes the starters don't have. Yeah, I really like it. I really like his energy. He, he looks fun. He looks like he's having a good time out there. Um, uh, LSU game. Uh, Viscovi went down that weird play where Viscovi went down, and then it, it just seemed like somebody needed to get like payback. Um, it just didn't seem like anybody, like you know, how we were talking about LSU and the Shaq team, uh, how Dell almost punched somebody or did punch somebody, whatever. I, I expected something kind of around them terms, like your boy just went down, and then everybody's just gonna act like it didn't happen. And it's funny because uh, it made me think of uh, when Fulkerson got punched in the face on, on court and then Rick Barnes didn't cover for him, but now we're criticizing Fulky. So it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still, I'm very indifferent with this team. This team is a bunch of misfits for the scheme that we're trying to run. I, yeah. I think. Um. So moving on to the South, South, Carolina South Carolina game that took place uh, Tuesday night, Thompson Bowling Arena. It, I'm laughing because I saw a wide uh, pan shot of the arena. It says there was 15,000. No way there was 15,000 there. Six no I, I drove by Thompson Bowling. I had to work late this evening for a little bit. I drove by Thompson Bowling. There wasn't any traffic to get into. So there may have been 10 there, which is still a pretty good crowd. But yeah, um, there was no way there was 15,000 there. 
Also, side note to this game, TV Teddy calling the game, Gavin. TV Ted Valentine. Yes, sir. I thought we only saw him on Saturdays. That's a fact. <laughs> Another uh, shot. I hope he I hope he receives it well. Yes. Um yeah, he probably don't know. No, um no. so Tennessee uh, bounces back after a tough road loss at LSU, wins this game 66-46. South Carolina was pitiful offensively. Um, I'm trying to see how many turnovers South Carolina had. 23 – Tennessee forced 23 turnovers. Some of those were just – I would say amazing. They just threw the ball out of bounds. South Carolina did. I think some of them were – Four, obviously forced by Tennessee, but a lot of those were unforced errors. I don't know what in the world they were doing. South Carolina. <laughs> just walking on the floor and just, yeah, yeah, let's just toss it that direction and then run back on defense. I, I, I don't know. They look kind of like us. It was awful. It looked like a junior pro turnovers sometimes. Youth this, game, this game reminded me of a 6U <laughs> basketball game. Whoever shot the most shots was going to win the game, and it turned out to be true. Um, Tennessee came out of the gate slow again, Gavin. Uh, I think at the first TV timeout, which was 15 something minutes to go, they were down eight to two. I mean, two points right out of the gate, such a slow start again, just like not as bad as the old Miss game, but very similar to the old Miss game last weekend. But Tennessee rebounded pretty quickly. Um, ended up. Still not – I mean, it was a, it was so sluggish. And I didn't get to see the very first, like, 15 minutes of the game. I only saw the last five of the first half. Um, I mean, I'm looking down here at the play-by-play. There is a huge stretch of time where neither team scores. But with seven minutes to go in the – 7.46 to go in the first half, Tennessee took its first lead, I uh, believe. No, they were up earlier. But they led 16 to 14. They had 16 points in almost 13 minutes of game action. Just bad offense from this team. They got a little streak going right at the end of the half. Uh, Josiah Jordan James throws up kind of a prayer. uh, Three at the buzzer. Hits it 30 to 24 at halftime. Second half, Tennessee comes out and kind of puts their foot on South Carolina, especially on the defensive end. And um, ends up kind of pulling away there in the second half. Uh, I thought Tennessee did a really good job against South Carolina defensively, especially coming out there in the second half, not allowing South Carolina to get any type of rhythm offensively. They uh, did a better job offensively. You know, starting the first half or second half, Tennessee uh, had some points inside by Kamwa. Um, actually got the lead up at one point in the second half there early on, 45-29. They were up 16 after a, fast, a steal and a fast break basket by Zakai Ziegler, who's been a huge spark plug for this team. Um, they kind of let South Carolina kind of hang around the 10-point mark, um, ended up pulling away again there in the second half for a 20-point victory. But uh, it, it was a lot of bad – offense again from Tennessee in this game second half was much better Uh, they ended up like we said winning by 20 but looking at the box score 
Vescovi played the most minutes tonight, 34 minutes against South Carolina. Five of 12 from the field, only two of nine from three-point range, 14 points. Uh, I thought player of the game tonight in the South Carolina game was Triple J, Josiah Jordan-James, 33 minutes, three of six from the field, two of four three-point field goals, three of four from the foul line, 12 rebounds, so a double-double, 11 points uh, for Triple J. That's the type of game Tennessee needs from Triple J. Four three-point field goal attempts. He was two of four from three. They were good quality three-point shots. The, the ones I saw, and you count one of them, even the ones he missed were good quality shots. The one he – obviously one he hit was kind of a prayer at halftime, but, hey, it went in. Uh, you can't fault the guy. Tennessee really struggled again from the foul line. Um, nine of 23 from the foul line, Gavin. What – I can't even talk. Like, a team this talented – should never go nine of 23 from the foul line. This takes me back to the uh, – I have 11 for 25. From the foul line. Yep, from the free throw line. I've got 11 for 25. Okay. I thought we were nine of 23, so I must have missed – I must have tuned out there then. So, any nine of 23, 11 for 25, awful. Yeah, um, not very great, but uh, – <laughs> 44%. I had flashbacks to the Purdue NCAA tournament game. Oh. When we met, didn't we miss like eight in a row? Felt like we like missed that? all free throw. Yeah. And it was horrible. Oh, God, it was hard to watch. God, it's so frustrating because just make two or three of those and we win. Um, but thoughts from the South Carolina game as we close out basketball talk? Um, I mean, it was a good game for uh, Triple J to kind of come back and get his feet wet. I think this is the ideal game for him. Uh, not exactly a double-double, but he did get a double-double tonight. I'm just saying his ideal game. Uh, like eight rebounds, you know, like six to eight points, and maybe a couple of uh, assists. Um, I'm really kind of disappointed we didn't see more of uh, uh, maybe take some minutes away from Fulkerson after you just rip them a new one and give them to somebody else like Mayshack or – Huntley Hatfield. I'm just trying to get those guys. I want to get a good feel on what they can do. Um, so I can start to replace Fulkerson if he needs to be replaced. Um, I mean, he did have a decent game in all. He went five for eight, uh, 10 points, but I just, uh, I'm still just questioning what we're doing with Justin Powell. No shots tonight. I, I, I'm just lost for words. Um, yeah, Justin Powell, 20 minutes, zero field goal attempts. I mean, what? how are we not getting a shot for this guy? If, if anything, if we're going to ride and die by the three like we're acting like we are going to, then why are we not drawing up a play for Justin Powell? I just don't understand. If we're going to play this three three uh, three point game that we love to play, um, then we need to set our offense, uh, set our roster up for a three. And let's let's shoot the three. I don't understand what we're doing. It's like we're in the middle of switching systems, 
and we just haven't decided which one we want to do yet. So we're just going to sit in the middle and suck at both of them. Yeah, it it, it was. Frustrating. I, I know Tennessee won 66-46. It still wasn't a very pretty game. They, especially in the second half, I felt like played a little bit better offensively. Um, didn't shoot the three ball very well in the second half, 413. They were three of eight in the first half, but uh, overall for the game, 43% from the field, seven of 21 from three point range. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, this team's got a lot of work to do offensively. You said John Fulkerson, uh, he had a, a little bit better game, 28 minutes, uh, five of eight from the field, 10.7 boards. Um, Kennedy Chandler just kind of so-so. He was just out there, eight points in 25 minutes, two of seven from the field, one of two from three-point range, but three of eight at the foul line. I mean, I don't know if this guy's – I got. I don't want to go back and watch him shoot some free throws. I don't know if there's something in his, in his shot. I don't know what's going on, but, he, I mean, he misses a lot of – he misses way too many free throws, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, Ziggler, the spark plug, 11 points in 22 minutes. A nice outing from him. Uh, Victor Bailey hit a three tonight, Gavin. Uh, Victor Bailey was starting to become the new J.J. Peterson there for a second. <laughs> but you're right about Powell. 20 minutes, no field goal attempts. I don't – again, I don't know if it's him or the coaching staff. I just – I have a hard time believing the coaching staff telling him not to shoot. Fact. Um, if they are, know. then that's this, this that's horrible. I mean, yeah. uh, completely unacceptable. I mean, that yeah. that's that's a horrible idea. Uh, I 100% agree. Um, Mayshack got a couple minutes. Huntley Hatfield with his typical three. Um, I mean, I get, him, get, get him more than a sneeze in the game, you know? I mean, golly. I want to see what these guys can do. I just don't feel like we're going to get the chance to see him. Well, it's kind of it's kind of hard to see what guys can do though when you're in SEC play. That's that's for the first of the year, and we saw glimpses from Huntley Hatfield. Didn't he have 27 points against somebody earlier in the year and hit hit some threes? And you're like, man, this guy could be good. But then when we started against Arizona, he hardly was out on the court. And I don't know if they just don't feel like he's ready at this point. For that type of competition, I, I don't know. But I don't know how – obviously, they see practice. So, they know more than we do about it. But it's kind of hard to tell if somebody's ready or not if they're not out there on the court playing in the game is how I look at it sometimes. But I'm going to defer to them on that one. I don't know. Um, kind of waiting on that guy to – I said it a few weeks ago when we said we needed players like Brandon Huntley Hatfield to help this team be successful, and we're not getting it. I mean, Conway is playing – He's had a, a better year this year. And tonight against South Carolina, he only played 10 minutes, though. I mean, that's another guy. Like, why is he not out on the court? Right. And I've been hard on that guy, but I, I he's very, he's improved this year. I'm not saying he's at a at a high or all SEC level, anything like that, but he's definitely improved his game this year, especially on the offensive end. He plays really good defense, but he's out there for 10 minutes. Ziegler played 22, Powell 20. I mean, it's not like they're not giving Powell minutes tonight. He had 20 minutes and still didn't shoot the ball. Um, right. Plavich, 15 minutes, no points. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, there was a point, uh, seven minutes and 
uh, some change, uh, whatever it was, left in the game, and we're up by 15. Uh, I think that's a good time to kind of sub those guys in and let them see what they can do. Even if they start to, you know, you can stop or run. Uh, Rick Barnes probably doesn't do that because he likes to take his timeouts with him. Uh, I think he thinks that they're part of his paycheck. So I think he's taking every single one of them with him. Um, Maybe they give him credit at the end of the year on his, uh, in his contract. If you have so many timeouts left over, they pay you he goes to the dollars. He goes to the SNS cafeteria and cashes in his timeout <laughs> tokens at the end of the year. God. The SNS cafeteria. Haven't been to that place in a while. So um Tennessee after the win against South Carolina, uh, three game period since we recorded last. They went two and one. They are eleven and four overall right now, two and two in the conference. Uh, tough game coming up this Saturday, Gavin, at Kentucky. Um, thoughts on that one? L. Yeah, I don't think Tennessee wins this one. Um, in the last three games, though, whoever has shot the most has won the game. I will so, say that uh, Tennessee's had a lot of success in Lexington the last few years, especially under Rick Barnes. So we got that going for us. Um, but they got a big boy up there, and he's gonna snatch every rebound. And God, it's gonna be a Sheboy is very good on the glass, he cleans it up nicely. Um, trying to look and see, there's no line on this game yet. But Kentucky's a 68.8% chance, um, on the F or the BPI on ESPN's BPI to win, which is about what LSU was last Saturday when the Vols traveled to Baton Rouge. Uh, Shibway, pretty good player down low, 16 points a game, 62% from the field. Uh, going to be a really tough matchup for Tennessee. They're going to need players like, I hate to say it, Eurosh has to step up and play quality minutes. Um, Kamwa's got to play quality minutes. This would be a time where we were kind of hoping that Brandon Huntley Hatfield would be ready, and I don't know – you know, whether or not it's because he's not played enough or he's just not there yet. I don't think he's a guy that can contribute in this game or or necessarily will, but we'll see. It's going to be a tough matchup for Tennessee. Uh, a lot of doom and gloom talk, after, especially after last Saturday. We're going to go up to Kentucky and lose by 30 or 40. I don't see that happening, but I can see us losing by 10, 15 points. I just – I don't think Tennessee's that bad. I can bad see losing by 20. I could see that, you know, kind of getting away at the end, but I, I can, know. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, all we can hope for is the the veteran leadership on this team to kind of, you know, your Josiah Jordan James, your Vescovy, uh, John Fulkerson, those guys to, you know, kind of take the reins and step up in a game like this and help these younger guys through it's going to be a tough environment there's gonna be twenty four thousand there in rep arena god knows what they've spent their how they've had to get money to spend it to get in the arena i know gavin has thoughts but uh going to be a tough matchup for tennessee this saturday yeah it's uh it's gonna be tough they're probably gonna play physical and we're gonna lay down and take it because that's what this team does that's their track record so far so. And then next Tuesday, a late-night game in Nashville as Tennessee travels to Memorial Coliseum 
or Memorial Gymnasium, I'm sorry, in Nashville. Did you see where Vanderbilt's not letting students in the state in the arena, Gavin? Uh, they don't let them in anyway. I thought that's what <laughs> has always been with Vanderbilt. Touche. Uh, apparently, this is supposed to to stop the spread of, of China virus. Absolute maroons they are. How's God, that working? They're so stupid. How's that working out? <sighs> they're so dumb. So just, dumb. That's just more theatrics. So that's Tennessee. They beat back. Arkansas the other night. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you're right. They did. Um, win, but uh, yeah, they're a bunch of idiots. They're clowns. We'll beat Vandy, not Kentucky, though. So, uh, basketball's in full swing mode right now, Gavin. Football ended last night, national championship game. Uh, but before we get to that, real quick note Tennessee recruiting. We talked about this kid on last week's show. I, I don't know, I've been looking while we've been talking, trying to figure out how to pronounce this kid's name. I'm going to go with Nayor, N-E-Y-O-R, Isaiah Nayor. Mm-hmm. He's a wide receiver that was at uh, Wyoming last year. Um, we talked about him last week. He's a two-star prospect coming out of uh, Arlington, Texas. Uh, was the number 385 overall wide receiver in the 2019 class uh, out of the state of Texas. He was the number 469 nice. player to come out. Nationally, he was number 3,168. Uh-huh. Why can't they drop him? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Um, I would advocate if I was the player for that. Uh, yeah. But that was what he was nationally. Um, but he entered the transfer portal, Gavin, after a big year uh, last year. I say last year because the season just ended. Um, I'm trying to – his stats aren't pulling up for some reason, but he had a big-time year, well over a 1,000 yards uh, there at Wyoming, and after a big year decided, hey, let's let's enter the transfer portal, see what's going on. Um, Let me upgrade. 44 catches. 878 yards in 2021. I swear I thought he had – maybe it was for his career. So, in uh, 2021 – let's go back to 2020. Eight catches, 248 yards as a true freshman. One touchdown. No, sorry, zero touchdowns. 2021 saw a huge turnaround for Isaiah. 44 catches, 878 yards, 12 touchdowns. Just incredible. Uh, he had 12 rushing attempts for 23 yards and a rushing touchdown. So, he had 13 total touchdowns on the year. You love this um, I was reading about him. I think he's going to kind of fill that role that uh, Javonta Payton had with Tennessee. He's a tall, lanky, 6'3", 210, tall, lanky wide receiver that's got some speed, um, can go up and, and catch the one-on-one balls. So, big pickup. I know he wasn't highly recruited out of out of high school, but it seems like he's made something out of himself. At least he did at Wyoming. And any it seems like everybody – if you come here to to Tennessee in this system of Josh Hopple, uh, he can make some of a, something of himself here, and he's going to have an opportunity to to contribute right out of the gate for Tennessee next year after they lost Bayless Jones Jr. and Javonta Payton um, to graduation. So uh, nice pickup for Josh Hopple and the Vols. Nice pickup indeed. Um, 
I don't know if defenses are going to have a harder time with him or if Bob Kessling is going to have a hard time saying his name. Um, I don't know which one's going to be tougher. So that's always fun. Always love that. Me and Bob have all kinds of trouble pronouncing names. When yeah, I do, me too. When I, well, I mean, I know we're all from East Knox County, but when yeah, I yeah, have to announce some of these kids' names as public address announcer, uh, it's it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, I had, I won't mention the school. It's a school in Knox County, but um, I, I absolutely butchered several kids' names. And I walked, they had a radio uh, booth, and I walked over to the radio guy after the game and I said, Can you find these kids and their families? And I don't know where they're at, but apologize on my behalf because I absolutely, like, I, mm. like, I just, it was awful. It was bad, but. I feel Bob Kessling's pain. <laughs> it's bad. Oh, that's funny. And I'm a lot like Ron Burgundy, too. I just read whatever's on the paper, but that's a, another story for another time. Um, other it. Tennessee uh, football uh, recruiting news, they got a commitment this week from the transfer portal, again, from a former Central Florida tight end Charlie Browder. He is coming to Tennessee uh, to be a preferred walk-on. He says it's a childhood dream come true is what he tweeted with pictures of him as a kid wearing Tennessee stuff. He looks like he's at a game with his dad wearing Tennessee stuff. Uh, pretty cool for him. He's 6'7", 260 pounds, a native out of Kingsport. Um, he committed to and signed with Alex Golish and Hopple at UCF prior to them coming to Tennessee. Um, his freshman year this past year, he only participated in four games under Gus Malzahn, and then he entered the transfer portal last week. So we'll see. Um, he Well, it also said he had 30 offers coming out of high school, including Michigan State, North Carolina, Maryland, Kentucky, Iowa State, Georgia Tech, among others. So he had some, um, some pretty high profile, I mean, not – top five programs coming after him, but power five programs nonetheless. So we'll see how he plays out here. And I don't know that we've mentioned it on this show. Gavin and I were talking beforehand, but he's Shuler's son, Navy, transferring from Appalachian State to, to Tennessee. Oh, yeah. It's always good. Always one good. Of, one of those legacy players. So I don't know that he'll necessarily play when he's here, but um, I don't know. Good for him, coming back to where his daddy uh, made a name for himself. So, uh, national championship game last night. The 1980 memes are over, Gavin. Georgia wins the national title, 33-18 to 18 over Alabama. Um, how are you feeling about it? Uh, I am sad that nobody, uh, nobody won. Um, I really felt like covid you know as bad as everybody's saying it is could, really could have won this game um it's just weird to see that n not even a soul had it on either of these sidelines maybe these two teams are doing something so effective to keep it away uh that we could all do it and i know exactly what they're doing they're just not testing anybody um, good they don't need to they absolutely don't need to and we all need to stop but stop testing stop it now i've said it stop testing um last night was a really good game um i i hate both of these teams um uh, 
a lot. But it was a really good game. A lot of talent on the field just flying all over the place. Um, you know Georgia had the better talent, but you just didn't know if Kirby Smart was going to overcome his daddy complex that he has with Nick Saban. So um, it's weird to see that he finally got over it. I mean, it it was really heartbreaking to see Alabama suffer injuries and not have guys that they could just roll out there and not miss a beat. And they obviously had some issues at at the defensive back in the defensive backfield and at wide receiver last night because they'd lost Minchie earlier in the year. They lost Williamson last night to or to probably I think it was an ACL I saw this afternoon. So yeah. they were down some some players, but welcome to the club. Everybody else is always in that boat, but we all don't have five stars on the second and third string just sitting there waiting to come in. And I know Alabama did last night, but those guys, some of them haven't really contributed much of the years. So at wide receiver, they – I don't remember the stat, but they – a large chunk of their offensive production was gone when those two receivers went out. So, it was just heartbreaking to see that for Alabama. Um <laughs> I can't see me. I'm being very facetious, but uh, it wasn't one of those flash, like great flashy games that sometimes we want to see in, in championship games, like basketball, football, whatever it may be. Um, But it was a solid football game, pretty good defense on both sides. I felt like Georgia and Alabama both were kind of conservative on the offensive end, especially in the first half, both teams kind of opened it up in the second half. But um, I just felt like they were kind of holding back. It's like they almost didn't want to make a mistake, um, yeah. er, especially early on in the game. It was kind of odd for these two teams who can put up points in a in a hurry to both play like that. Yeah, it was really weird to see that. Um, but, I mean, Georgia laid out the blueprint to how to beat Alabama. All you need is um, 27 five-stars, and you'll <laughs> – you'll uh, eventually knock them down. Not well, the first time, but the second. I mean, Kirby, Kirby Smart has built the Georgia program. It's, it's like a mirror image of, of Alabama under Nick Saban. A lot of talent, especially on the line. I mean, big physical offensive line, defensive linemen, uh, highly talented wide receivers, running backs, uh, just talent just laying all over the place on both sides of the ball for both of these teams. Uh, Alabama in the past hasn't, you know, they've not been ultra flashy at quarterback. I know they are this year or this past season now with, with, uh, with Young back there. But uh, I mean, Georgia won this game with a guy that was like fourth string coming into the season. He played a little last year, but he got buried on the depth chart again and just found his way into the role and just thrived under it in Stetson Bennett. But who, by the way, I don't know if you saw his interview on Good Morning America this morning, Gavin. He was completely hammered. I mean, absolutely blitzed is what he looked. And and not that I blame him for that, but, I mean, I don't know what time this interview came on, but eight I saw o'clock. him 8 o'clock in the morning. At, I mean, the game didn't get over last night until 11.30, almost midnight. Yeah, there ain't you know, a chance I'm doing that interview. I don't care. I doubt I, that he even slept, to be honest. I wouldn't I, have I, I ain't doing the interview. F it. If you want to do the interview after the game is when you can catch me. I actually, I'm glad he did it. 
you know, if somebody wanted to interview me after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, I didn't go to bed till 4.30 that morning. I mean, I imagine mean, if you played in it. I was about to say, I didn't even play in the game. <laughs> and I stayed up till 4.30 in the morning. Imagine what the players did. I wouldn't have slept if I was a player. But uh, I, I don't know why I even went to sleep that night. But, um, yeah, that was awesome seeing his picture. I'm not a, obviously not a Georgia fan. I could care less about him. But his picture, his eyes were like three quarter, about a quarter open, mm-hmm. three quarters closed, I guess. And, uh, yeah, he was completely blitzed. Um, Viewership for the national title game was up a tad, Gavin, to 22.6 million viewers compared to 18.6 for last year's game between Alabama and Ohio State. So, nice little win for the playoff committee and uh, ESPN. Um, So, good for them. Um, Some things I, I saw, I tweeted this. I sent one of them to you, Gavin. Um, these were some graphics that were put up after in the post game. Uh, coaches to win at their alma mater. Coaches to win a national title at their alma mater. So Kirby Smart, former Georgia football player, played in the mid to late 90s. He's won a title, obviously, last night. Uh, Bear Bryant won a title at Alabama, actually won six. Steve Spurrier, 1996 at Florida, and our own Phil Fulmer, in 1998, are, that's the only four coaches in the past 60 seasons to win a national championship at their alma mater. But the funny thing about this graphic was, and somebody texted me this today, like, how many titles do you have to win to get them to spell your name right? They spelled Phil Fulmer. His last name is F-U-L-M-E-R. They spell him as F-U-L-L-M-E-R. And I know you've got jokes about that. Fulmer. Nope, I have nothing oh, to say. Okay. <laughs> I have nothing to say. It speaks uh, for itself. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I, I didn't realize – I mean, I knew, obviously, Fulmer and Kirby Smart, but I'd forgotten about Spurrier and uh, and uh, Bear Bryant. I just – I felt like there were probably more than that. And I kept thinking Gene Stallings. But then it hit me, Gene Stallings was at Texas A&M. Um, but um, – I, it's hard to believe that's the only four in the last 60 years that's taken their alma mater to a national title, and we got one of them, Phil Fulmer. The other graphic was most seasons between titles. Um, I always thought Tennessee's was 47, but they have Tennessee listed. Uh, this is in the AP poll era, Tennessee at 46 years. Auburn had the longest drought of 52 seasons. Michigan is uh, at 48. Now, there's some dispute on that one. Uh, some people count that and some don't. The ones that don't say they've not won a – and they didn't. They won a split national title in 97 with Nebraska. I don't know how – I mean, they won a national title. It's no different than Tennessee. Some of their titles, like in 67, they won the national title. But, you know, what newspaper named them that, I don't know. Um, LSU went 44 years, and, of course, Georgia ended their 40-year drought. So – um, Tennessee's kind of back on the list now, but there's some other programs I, I saw. One had Michigan. Notre Dame, uh, 1988 was their last national championship. Tennessee's sitting at 23 years right now, Gavin, um, 1998. Um, I had to look this up because I knew it was quite a few, but since Tennessee's last, last national championship in 1998, 
our three biggest rivals have won nine national titles. Nine. Florida's mm. won two, Alabama six, and now Georgia's won one. That, that, and we play those three teams every single year. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder – I'm not making excuses, but it's no wonder we struggled so much. Um, nine national championships from our three biggest rivals in the last 23 years, 22 years. Um, other programs that are in a longer drought than Tennessee right now, uh, I mentioned Notre Dame, Penn State, 1986. And then you've got Notre Dame, obviously, 1988. Uh, Miami right now, their last title was in 2001. USC's last national championship, 2004. Um, Michigan's is listed, if you want to go back and get technical, 1948. Um, so, Tennessee's not the longest big – and I would put Tennessee as a big program. Their top ten all-time wins, bowl appearances, bowl wins, you name it, we're right there. Uh, we're at 23 years and – it's probably going to be a few more. Um, I don't expect them to even compete for one next year, but, I mean, we're sitting at 23 years without a national championship, 23 years without an SEC championship, and our three biggest rivals have done it quite a bit since then. So, a lot of work for Tennessee, and it's not going to get any easier now that Georgia's won a title. No, um, I'm expecting a full 23 more until we see another one. Um Really depressing when I start to think about this. We're not going to win anything in basketball. Not going to win anything in football. Might as well ride with the ball, baseball balls. So the you, diamond you, balls. So you think Tennessee will be another? They'll be like a forty-six year drought like we had before before we win a title, oh, national yeah. championship. I don't know if I'm ever going to see it with my own two eyes. Do you think Tennessee? How long do you think it is? Tennessee's last New Year's Day bowl. And I let me rephrase that. Our last New Year's Day bowl was what? Uh, the Outback Bowl a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't count the, well, I mean, I guess you could count the Gator Bowl. Well, that was before the Outback Bowl. All right. So Tennessee's last big time, I'm talking about New Year's Six type bowl would probably be the, I'm trying to rack my brain here, Gavin. I mean, we went to the – well, Cotton Bowl in 04. Um, 01. 01, we were in the Citrus Bowl. 0, uh, 07, 06, 06, and 07, we were in the Outback Bowl back-to-back years. We were in the Peach Bowl in 09. Peach Bowl is set up a little bit different now than it, than it was back then, but still a pretty big-time bowl game. Uh, obviously, Outback Bowl in 2015 against Northwestern. Um, Put the twaxing on them. It's just been – I mean, we've been to bowl games, but it's been a lot of your Music City, Gator. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to – I guess the last big New Year's bowl game was 99 in the Fiesta Bowl against Nebraska. I mean, I guess you could count the – I mean, the Cotton Bowl to me is always a big bowl game. It's a historic – it's like the Rose Bowl, not as as old as the Rose Bowl, but it's one of those big-time bowls. So, I guess 04 was the last time we were in just a big-time bowl game. Um, Outback Bowl is a good bowl. I don't put it up there with the with the 
rose or cotton, one of those. It's not a New Year's Six, but obviously that didn't exist back then. But, man, it's been a decade and a half plus since we've been in one of those games. And do you think it'll be another decade and a half before we get to one of those games? I I keep thinking the law of averages is going to turn out where we're going to slip into one of these games at some point. And maybe we don't sustain it. I hope we do. But it can't keep going on like this, can it? Yeah, I think it's going to continue. Uh, oh, you're killing is, me, Gavin. What is your uh, quote? Misery loves company. Yes, I mean I I can't take credit for that, but it is. It is one of your many, and uh, I just keep thinking at some point we're going to put all the pieces together. I mean, it's been you know, Philip Fulmer's last year was 08, and we've just never been able to put anything together. There's been so many programs around college football that have been able to put it together for two, three, four years, and they might slip out and come right back. Oregon's one. Baylor, um, they've had all kinds of sanctions put on them, and they still find a way to get back. And I know they play in different conferences. And one thing we've got going against this is what I mentioned earlier. We play Florida, Alabama, and Georgia every single year. No one else in the nation does that. Auburn does, Auburn plays uh, Georgia and Alabama every year. They don't play Florida every year. And, of course, even if Florida's down, we still find a way to lose to them. It's a fun um, but it's – They can block their own linemen. Each, each – golly. I challenge, I challenge anyone to find me another program that has to play three programs like that every single year. And I know the SEC is tough, and it's only going to get worse when – Texas and OU come in, but that's crazy to me that – and I'm not saying – I don't – I mean, it is what it is, and we used to play them like that all the time, but times have changed, and here we are. We're kind of down trying to get back. It's tough when you have to play those three teams every single year. Like, we don't get a break where some programs get a scheduling break and are able to win eight, nine, ten games, build a little momentum. Um, but that's what made this year kind of fun in a way was we won seven games when we weren't supposed to. And I know we didn't beat one of those three teams, but we kind of showed a little glimpse that we can compete with them. Um, just the amount of talent that Georgia has is just so much. They have, they have such a big gap between them and literally everyone else. Yeah, and we've got a lot of work to do. I mean, Kentucky has built – their program up, but there's still a gap between Georgia and Kentucky. I mean, you saw that on the field this year uh, when those two teams played each other. And then Kentucky loses to us, so obviously there is a gap. I'm not saying there's a gap between right. uh, between uh, that a gap between us. We're probably pretty even to be honest. But uh, Tennessee's one of those programs that if they can just <sighs> find a way to put it all together. It can be done here. I'm, I've said it before, said it last week. Tennessee's got everything they need here to win. Fan base, money, facilities. Uh, they've got what they need. I know it's a hard, uh, a little bit harder place to recruit because of we don't have that natural – like Georgia's got Atlanta and the state of Georgia's pretty good. LSU's got the state of Louisiana, Texas right next door. We don't have that here. We've got Nashville – a couple hours away, which is growing, and that's been a big help. But a lot of those players go all over the place because they're transplants. 
And we just don't have that recruiting base like a lot of these other programs do, and it makes it hard on us. But we'll see what Josh Heupel is able to do. Uh, he put together a pretty decent class for his first go around here and continue to build off the momentum of, of what they did in 2021. And we'll, we'll obviously talk more about football as we go along this winter and spring and summer, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, just he's a good coach and I just hope he can get guys in here to make a difference. All right, Gavin, I wanted to get into some media bias uh, on a couple different fronts. You know how I hate the media on this show. Uh-huh. Um, what about Georgia fans last night throwing trash onto the field? I thought Tennessee fans were the only ones that did that. Maybe, maybe Tennessee fans pulled an FBI mm -hmm. and dressed themselves in Georgia gear like the FBI dressed themselves in Trump gear and acted like Trump supporters. Maybe Tennessee fans dressed as Georgia fans and when I called it and go the Bulldogs way, Tennessee fans started chucking uh, trash onto the field dressed as Georgia fans. And there were quite a few, few calls that didn't go their way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, if it was a real Tennessee fan, you would have definitely seen a golf ball and a thing of mustard. So that's how you know it wasn't us. And that place is so – In where did they play? Uh, the house Peyton Manning built, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, who did the field there? Uh, yeah, it looked what like was going on there? I tweeted um, that the Nissan Stadium crew must have went up to Lucas Oil and painted the field. It was really weird looking because uh, the day before the game, I guess it was during NFL games on Sunday, mm -hmm. uh, I was watching – or maybe it was Saturday, I can't remember – but they they did a little like two minute thing and Reese Davis, David Pollock and some and Herb Street maybe I can't remember no it wasn't Herb Street I can't remember who it was. Uh, they were standing at midfield and there's this this rectangle where they had covered up the Colts logo at midfield, and on these on this field turf they make solution and tools to get that paint up off the field and repaint stuff. The Saints do it a lot. Falcons do it a lot. All these other schools paint over, but the Colts haven't got it figured out yet because uh, you could still see the Colts logo last night at midfield over the uh, national championship logo or the, I guess, college football playoff logo, whatever that is. Uh, and then the hash marks on the field, you could see where they painted over them. It just – it was – for a national title field, you don't see that. I mean, they don't do that in the NFL. Uh, I've never seen the Superdome look like that when they paint over the field. It was really weird looking. I That's why I tweeted. I thought the um, Nissan Stadium crew went up there and painted the, the midfield like they did the end zones at, at uh, the Music City Bowl. Uh, I'm not too surprised to see that uh, Ursay just in there just having a grand old time and you know, uh, a bunch of druggies went out there and painted the field. Wouldn't surprise me. What? It's rough. And it, and it really hurt my feelings that the Colts uh, missed out on the playoffs, by the way. Did it. Yeah, it was sad. sad. Um, all right. So, media bias. The media obviously never uh, got upset, wrote articles, national outrage about Georgia fans throwing stuff onto the field. Uh, cl known clown David Ubbin tweeted that it basically he insinuated that 
there wasn't a delay in the game, so it was okay that there was trash thrown out on the field. It was terrible that Tennessee did it because there was a 20-minute delay, but there wasn't a delay in the Georgia game. I think they were out on the field picking it up while they were playing. Um, so it wasn't an outrage to these guys. Where was Pat Forty? Where was David Ubbin? Where were all these guys at? Throwing trash out on the field in the on the biggest stage of the sport and not a word. Probably losing money because that's all their companies do. The athletic loses more money than it can print. Yeah, I think they lost what fifty five million last year. Yeah, because they have a bunch of clowns like that who write bullcrap hit pieces against Tennessee who just wants to get clicks. Bunch of idiots. Sad clowns. Reporting. Speaking of clowns, um, Jen Psaki, uh, the White House press secretary, kind of. This, this has a little sports flavor to it, but uh, Jen Psaki during a press conference last week at the White House press briefing, um, and I didn't catch the entire question, but she uh, answered the question on why hasn't Biden uh, done certain things, and she said the president's very busy. He doesn't – he's he's too busy to even think. Hmm. Um, so um, a report I read said that uh, – Contrary to that quote, the president's been on vacation for 27% of his presidency. Hmm. Um, so if he's too busy to think, how in the world does he have time to go on vacation for 27% of the time? Which was a question I asked last week and posted it on one of the social media sites. Um, and... I had some responses. Uh, it was about Trump playing golf. Mm-hmm. President Trump liked to play golf, known golfer. Um, so I looked it up. There is a website that somebody created called the trumpgolfcount.com. And it says on here that Trump played golf while he was in office 298 times at a cost to estimated cost to the taxpayers of $144 million. And I said to that, so what? We all play golf. Well, some of us go play golf. Um, We take off time from work and go do it. I don't think Trump has a uh, timesheet that he has to clock in and out on when he was president. Uh, so what's the big deal? Um, and this this website was created all off of the of a quote that President Trump had in August 2016 before he was elected. He said, quote, I'm going to be working for you. I'm not going to have time to go play golf. But then he goes and plays golf 298 times. But my rebuttal to that is he got stuff done. Mm-hmm. Soaring economy, fantastic jobs, shut down the southern border uh put radical dictators worldwide in their place um he got a lot done as president whether you like him or not i was also told that um because i said to the effect that biden is gone on vacation 27 percent of the time he's not done anything and i was told that just because you uh don't like what he's done doesn't mean he hasn't done anything so what has he done? What has oh, well. President Biden done during his time in office? 
I I know one thing is if he doesn't have enough time to think, he's been in Congress for dang near half a century. I'd hate to see what he does come out with whenever he does have time to think. My Lord, he's been in there since 1970. I mean, geez, man. My whole thing about just imagine if President Trump's press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, came out and said, President Trump doesn't have time to think. Uh, what do you think the outrage from the media would be? It would be a huge cry. CNN, MSNBC, all the others would send their fact checkers and reporters into full scramble mode to count how much money he spent on golf and security, how how many rounds he's played, where did he go, on and on and on. Where's the media outrage when the Biden administration says something like this? Why haven't someone on the left created a website to track Joe Biden's time in Delaware. Where's the media outrage on that? I looked it up uh, because President Obama liked to play golf when he was in office. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me find it here very quickly. Um, you criticize Trump, you got to criticize all of them. Um President Barack Obama played a total of, and he was in office for eight years, 333 rounds as president, 1,665 hours. Um, He played golf 3% of the time he was president. Um, Said he averaged 41 rounds per year. That's about what I play. I don't know. I can't remember how many I played last year, but – I mean, I know that's not as much as Trump played on. I mean, Trump played 298, according to this website. Who knows how accurate that is? Uh, Obama played 333 and 8, Trump 298 and 4. It also says here, this is from golfnewsnet.com, that uh, Woodrow Wilson, while he was in office, played what estimated to be 1,200 rounds of golf. I feel that. 1,200 rounds. President Dwight Eisenhower also played an estimated 800 rounds while president, uh, dwarfing both Trump and uh, Obama while they were in office. Um, but that my whole point about this is, is the media, about, like, where's, where's the fact checkers on, where's the panicked uh, uh, Trump, or sorry, White House press reporters asking these questions? Um, where's the media outrage on all the lies put out from this administration on the lies about the China virus? The CDC came out this week and said that uh, there's a study shows that 75% of vaccinated individuals who died from coronavirus, aka the China virus, had at least four comorbidities, which is what, well, like you said last week, Gavin, welcome to May 2020. We've said that for a year and a half now. And they've we know why it's just now coming out. They're in full spin mode. It's turned on them. Their numbers are awful. And now they're spinning it to look like, hey, you know, the numbers aren't as bad as we originally thought. The media is just going to roll with it. Well, these numbers aren't as bad as we thought. That's good news. And it is good news. But we knew that all along. Why weren't you saying that to begin with? Yeah. Yep. Pitiful. Exactly right. 
unbelievable. But just I'm so sick of the media bias in this country. It always goes one way. It has for decades. I guess it always will. But that's why they have us, Gavin, here to call out the lies, call out the bias, and we'll continue to do that until they shut us down, Gavin. That's right. I mean, even if they're gonna, if you're gonna be two faced, at least make one of them look kind of cool. Yeah, no kidding. But anyway, but I would anyway. make fun of them, but I'd, I'm afraid they wouldn't understand it. Yeah, they the left can't joke. They don't know how to joke. They, they can't meme. They can't joke. They can't do anything. This and now they're running Saturday Night Live, and it sucks out loud. God, it's awful. And then they had that thing about the uh, fake insurrection that never really happened. Uh, Wondergate, as I like, as some like to call it, and I like to call it now, um, they had a candlelit vigil for that. And our vice president compared it to uh, 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. And it, yeah. was an in, it was an inside job. By the, uh, it's like I was saying earlier about, uh, Tennessee fans dressing up as Georgia fans throwing garbage on the field. That's what the FBI did. They dressed up in Trump gear and went to the rally and were begging people to go inside the Capitol. How in the world did they get in? Yeah. And where was all the security at? I just opened the doors. Open the doors. Here you go. The one guy's walking around in the Senate chambers and the police guards, they're laughing with him. Yeah. Just a total fraud. It wasn't an insurrection. And anybody believes that's delusional and probably more, most likely has some mental issues. Ah, uh, yeah. Unbelievable. It's, uh, it's rough. It's Unbelievable. Rough. Well, I believe that's this week's show, Gavin. We've rambled on. I said, let's keep this thing in an hour. And uh, according to my watch here, we're in an hour and a half. But time uh-huh. flies when you're talking Tennessee athletics and media bias, Gavin. It flies for sure. That's right. All right. Uh, Any big plans this weekend, Gavin? I don't think so. I'm going to try to hang out. Um, Are you you watching anything good on TV, Netflix? Are you watching anything good there? No, I'm not. Uh, Not at the moment. um, I'm always on a loop of watching The Office. Um, It's kind of a thing I do um great show but, to watch by the way uh i don't really have anything at the moment uh, uh that i'm currently watching you have something i've been watching so I, I watched over the past few months i watched all of seinfeld over again i'd never really mm-hmm. sat down and watched it from episode one on um now I've moved on to curb your enthusiasm which is on hbo it's uh larry david who co-wrote co-creator of Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld. Fantastic show. I love watching that show. Um, Not every episode is like laugh out loud funny, but a lot, there's some big time, big time LOL moments. moments. Yeah, definitely some Uh, good moments every now and again. There's uh, an episode, my favorite one so far is probably in season two. It's called Beloved Ant. And I won't say anything else more about it, but there's a great joke in there. Uh, uh, it's fantastic uh beloved ant season two i don't remember which episode it was in season two but look it up just i i haven't laughed that hard in a long time when it when the joke happened in the show um but this fan <laughs> i'm laughing right now just thinking about it fantastic um also i forgot to mention when i was uh 
uh, off a couple weeks ago, I went over to Spartanburg and I got to go to a house where uh, some friends of my family over there had bought a house that they're going to gut and remodel and a hoarder lived in it, Gavin. Oh, nice. And I about vomited. I about vomited when I walked in. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely disgusting. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I don't understand the way some people live. But this lady had passed away and, and the house was as is. And there was literally like you had to walk through the halls, bedrooms. You had to like step over stuff. I didn't think that stuff was real. I saw those shows, you know, hoarders on TV. I didn't think that was real. I thought all that was made up. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Figured it out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually, uh, there's a refrigerator in the garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like it's brand new almost. Uh, stainless steel, LED lights in it. Mm-hmm. I went over to open it up, and my aunt and cousin were like, please don't open that up. And I've already like almost yacked one time i opened it up and it did smell but everything in there i I guess it was left in there from uh, september 2020 on it was all in uh tupperware bowls so all you got to do is turn their fridge off throw all the tupperware bowls away and let that thing air out brand new refrigerator i'm working i'm trying to work some angles to get that thing when i need a new fridge in the garage a garage fridge for the beers you'd love Um, to see it but yeah, I think about that house pretty much every day for some reason. I can't get it out of my head. It's awful. <laughs> I just can't. I can't wait to see it when they get it done. I, sh- I wish I had taken pictures, uh, but I didn't think. I just couldn't think. I was trying not to vomit. <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty and, funny. Yeah, my I think my cousin videoed me gagging. <laughs> I I don't. I hope that doesn't get out. But it was disgusting. <laughs> um oh, all right vols big game at uh rep arena gavin you got the vols losing so yeah. I, um more than likely maybe they'll surprise us but it looks like tennessee's gonna fall to four and three or sorry two and three in the sec and um gonna have a lot of work to do as the season goes on gotta start somewhere start putting them back together it's a tough conference man i'm telling you this conference Top to bottom. I mean, you got Missouri beat Alabama last week, which I think was kind of a fluke, but Missouri beat Bama. Um, tougher breed. Tougher breed. Picked him up a nice win. Maybe they'll keep him around for another year after that. Yeah, right. Can only hope. Um, you know, Vandy's beat Arkansas this year. I mean, it's, a, it's not – I don't know that there's a cupcake in this conference besides maybe – Georgia. I mean, I know Tennessee won by 20 tonight, and they really could have won by 30-plus. Uh, Georgia's not good. Missouri's not good. Uh, South Carolina's not very good. Vandy's so-so at best. So, that's your cupcakes right there. Everybody else, I mean, Ole Miss isn't a cakewalk. Mississippi State's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, I'm trying to think. Florida's, you know, they're not going to contend for the title, but they're not a cakewalk. Um and then you've got the top contenders, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn. Um, Arkansas is tough. So, it's going to be a tough road for the Vols and for everybody, to be honest. I don't think anybody goes through this conference season unscathed and they're going to have multiple losses on their on their resume. I think we get a good six teams into the NCAA tournament. So, yeah. it's always good about your conference. So, 
Yeah, I was, uh, I was looking at um, early uh, bracketology. Arkansas's out right now. But they had Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU, Auburn, Bama in. Um, Arkansas on the outside looking in with Florida. Um, I think Mississippi was right in there. Miss, or Sorry, Mississippi State was kind of right in there, but they were way behind Arkansas. But um, it'll be interesting as the season plays out. A lot of tough games for the Vols, both at home and on the road. So, all right. Well, that's this week's show. Everybody, make sure to uh, give us a five-star review. I need to look, Gavin, and see if anybody has given us one. I'll have that update on next week's show. It'd be much appreciated. And um, hopefully somebody has. I know we have one on there, but it's been from a while ago. But uh, find us on Twitter, at Section YY8. You can find us and listen to this show. Go back and listen to Back to the Minds if you want to, at uh, podbean.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts listen notes wherever you want to find us we're not on spotify i haven't figured that one out yet apparently spotify doesn't like the file format of this show so hmm. got to figure out there so we can get on there with joe rogan uh, if we do start to get censored uh you can we'll just meet up in places and talk yeah <laughs> uh, amongst group amongst friends so yes we'll have a uh open con We'll, we'll go old school. We'll just sit around and talk to each other face-to-face. It's a foreign concept nowadays. But it is. It's like we'll shaking see. hands. Germs. Germs. All right. That's this week's show. Appreciate everybody listening. Go Vols. And we'll see you guys next week. This has been the Section YY8 Podcast. Tennessee. Tennessee.